Welcome into House of Wrestling, everybody. It's me, Nick Hausman. Take your shoes off, take your hat off, coat off if you want. We got that coat rack over there. It's just begging for your coat. It's like a Beauty and the Beast character. Come to life. Give me your coat. Maybe I'll sing a song about it. Come on into the living room. Sit on down by the fireside. It's our good friend Paul Pratt in the house talking pro wrestling with us today. Paul, thank you for uh, coming back into House of Wrestling here. Thanks for having me back. It's like a, it's always like a reunion. I love it. Yeah, we've done a lot of punditry over the years. Paul is one of my absolute favorite people to talk pro wrestling with. And uh, we got the fever over here. Obviously, Big A Brunch is coming back to Chicago. And this is like the one pro wrestling show that brings Liz and I together. Like, we both get excited about it. We're very excited to see you, Paul. We're just very excited for Big A Brunch to be coming back to Chicago. Hey, I am very excited to be back to Chicago. This is our third year at Hoffman Estates. And there's always such a phenomenal crowd of people who join us for Big Gay Brunch. Um, this is number seven. I've been with them since number one, with the exception of the UK trip that they did. For me, this is such a homecoming, not only to be at Hoffman Estates, but to be back with my Big Gay Brunch family and all of the people who really appreciate what we do there. So it's, it's very exciting. Yeah, I, it's great vibe. If you've never been out to Hoffman Estates to catch Big Gay Brunch in Chicago, highly recommended. Uh, Bussy, 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 Bussy. You guys, can boy, you know, you know. If you don't know what the bus, you know, maybe don't Google it. Maybe <laughs> Google it when you leave work. But Bussy, Effie, uh, and uh, uh, Allie will be in the house. Uh, Steph Delander is already announced for the show as well. Uh, I wanted to bring up. Did you see the Vice Australia clip that she did? I did not. Oh, man. So she's, like, talking to Vice Australia. And she's talking about moving from Australia to Florida and how crazy Florida is. Like, every day, new total shit show going on in Florida, right? And they start talking about DeSantis. And she's like, oh, I wrestled in front of him once. And they're like, what? Oh, you haven't heard this story at all, have you? Mm -mm. Oh, it's not that long. I'm, I'm going to get this right. I'm glad I'm going to tell you this story and everybody else can hear it too. So she's down at the Performance Center, right? So she trained. She was Persia Par Parada, I think, when she was mm -hmm. in WWE. Persia Parada. Okay. So she's down in WWE training at the Performance Center, right? One day, she comes into the Performance Center and they say, hey, Governor Ron DeSantis wants his kids to go to a wrestling show. So we're going to do one here, a private wrestling show for Ron DeSantis and his kids. And they're like, what? And so Ron DeSantis comes in with his wife and his kids, and they sit front row at a makeshift WWE event at the Performance Center. And I guess I, they get to watch a handful of matches with talent. And so these wrestlers did a close show for DeSantis and his family. And bottom line is, Ron DeSantis, anti-drag, right? Very openly against you, Paul. Pro, very, pro very against you personally, but pro pro wrestling, which is its own kind of comment, I think. So anyway, that was I had to share that story with you and everybody. It was just so such a wild story, you know. There seems something. It, it just tracks to me that they would um, put on a private show for somebody that who's probably that would be considered some kind of a donation, a finance, there's a financial value to that, that you know? Um, but neither here nor there. Kept, I, is, is this why the performance center was kept open during the pandemic? So DeSantis and his family could get free WWE shows. Maybe it, it's possible. I, I wouldn't, <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind greasing the wheel to like get what I want too. Sure. But I have to say this, you know, I 
have been part of so many wrestling shows actually in florida or around florida at this juncture a number of them in fact actually uh, a sh quick shout out for anybody who's in jacksonville the pope elijah burke is putting on a great charity wrestling show this saturday called the great american clash it's raising money for his love alive charity down there and whether it's in jacksonville or when we did tv tapings and pay-per-view for nwa in tampa i've had a, a resoundingly positive experience there despite what people would think that they might think of a character like mine yeah and uh, same with me paul i like go to florida i have a good time i don't get it right like i go there i don't I, it doesn't feel like what i read you know it's wild i, I th certainly think that what we read about are like you know the florida man like the the idiocy that that exists there and it i, I honest to god think that that idiocy exists everywhere if you look for it remember i went to high school in florida my mom lives there my my nephew was literally born there three days ago so uh, a native floridian but the fact remains that there are certainly pockets of um, ignorance, there's pockets of stupidity. And I'm not even talking about political stupidity. It's the Florida man stuff we hear is like stupidity, stupidity. Sure. Um, and, and I think that exists everywhere. Yeah. Well, hey, I uh, got to learn to love your brother and your sister, right? So I, I just hope the best for everybody down there. Nobody should feel like they're not accepted and not loved, right? We're all above that. We're bigger people now. Let's hope so. We've evolved, right? Everybody just go have a good time. Drag, pro wrestling, all of it. I hope DeSantis ends his year with a private drag show. Wouldn't that be great? And maybe That's probably w already happening. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so anyway, let your thoughts run wild. All right. Well, we got a great show here today. Uh, I was going to wait to talk Big Gay Brunch, but I couldn't. I had to just get going right out of the gate. Um, we have, if you're watching us right here in video form, you're watching us on Premiere Streaming Network. Every Tuesday and Thursday, noon Eastern, first run, the first time you're going to get to hear or see House of Wrestling every week is over on Premier Streaming Network. After we release it in video form here in the afternoon, the audio goes up on the House of Wrestling podcast feed, which is bloated right now. Great interview content already this week. Fuego Del Sol went out on Monday, Wednesday, yesterday. Sam Adonis hit the podcast feed. We got uh, written exclusives over at HouseOfWrestling.com all about Sam, why he left MLW. There's this crazy tidbit from the Sam Adonis interview that's been getting picked up everywhere where he didn't know he was going to be getting thrown through a pane of glass at triple mania until it was in the ring. And he had no choice, but to go through with it. And he does not usually like to do those kinds of things. God damn, man. God. Wow. Would you do it? Would you go through a pane of glass? Uh, no, I don't think so at all. Uh, Sam is somebody that I love, you know, Sam worked with and I worked together um, when, during his tenure with National Wrestling Alliance. And he was somebody that I love so much. We, we vibe so well. And he was somebody who always actually, believe it or not, begged to be paired up with me. He was somebody who was like, we would be so good together. And I'm like, make it happen in Mexico, man. Like, we would be ultra over, ultra, ultra over in Mexico. I agree. I agree. I'm a big Sam Adonis fan as well. Obviously, I interviewed him. I talked such to him. A great I, guy. I, such a great guy. Worked with him here in Warrior Wrestling in Chicago. Wonderful guy. I hope everybody takes the time to go over to the podcast feed. And if you like it, nice reviews, nice ratings, all that kind of stuff. Always helpful. Five-star ratings are going to boost people's visibility here. So <laughs> give those five-star ratings. Give us the five-star ratings. And this show loaded. Not just me, not just Paul, not just all the news today. Later on in the program, you are going to get to hear from Pretty Deadly. That's right. Elton Prince, Kit Wilson in the house. 
This happened before uh, Elton went down with an injury, right? So this was from the Money in the Bank media junket. But this is a great one. It's, it's probably the most evergreen, I think, of all the interviews I did Money in the Bank weekend. So I hope everybody likes it. And what a great pairing, right? You pretty deadly. I think that'd be phenomenal too. And what an unfortunate time to get an injury too, just as their star is on the rise on the main roster to, to go down with injury. We wish them a speedy recovery and a quick return to TV. Dude, they were so over when I was in London for money in the bank. I really kind of thought they had a chance of beating Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I, I think that it would have been premature to do that necessarily, but at the same time, sometimes striking while the iron is hot is important. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. By the way, I'm sorry. Everybody, I, my microphone is like dipping. If you're watching me on the screen right now, you can see right now I'm like, woo, up and down with the microphone stand, trying to get it pretty and proper. I want it to be pretty deadly right up against my mouth. All right, this seems to be good. All right, let's get to the news, everybody. Pretty deadly will join us here in a little while. Uh, I want to start off with this note here from Buff Bagwell because I, you know, I, I saw the story and it made me sad. And then there was a twist. And luckily, by the time I was covering it, I got to include the whole story which had uh, what happened and then his explanation for it. So for those that didn't see, word broke earlier this week that uh, from the Cobb County Sheriff's Office, there were records indicating Buff Bagwell, Marcus Bagwell, he was booked uh, on July 13th um, at around 3.56 p.m. He was released the next day just after midnight. Um, He was charged with speeding, a misdemeanor, and driving under the influence of drugs, also a misdemeanor. Now, everybody... Obviously, got very concerned. Buff has had uh, issues in the past um, driving under the influence, gotten a very bad wreck. He's been in like two wrecks, I think, in the past couple of years, a couple legal issues. He's been working with Diamond Dallas Page and has seemingly got is, is on the right path. So for him to walk off the path is something people were very concerned about. So Buff took to uh, social media. He said, just wanted to clarify to everyone that I am 11 months sober tomorrow. I see there is news out there that I had to spend time in jail for a DUI, but this was from the original offense years ago. I did get a recent sanction because I didn't document a recent trip out of state properly. So there we go. So Buff did do some time in jail for something that was not, you know, uh, to the letter of the law. But the better news here that I just wanted to share and reiterate with everybody is it appears Buff Bagwell nearly a year sober and, and getting his life together, which is just great news. Of course, you know, it is well documented, Nick, my own um, kind of past and history with substance abuse issues and my sobriety. And, uh, you know, I, back in April, I celebrated 19 years of sobriety. So it is for anybody who's listening to this, whether it's Buff Bagwell or one of our listeners, if you're struggling, look, sobriety and recovery from addiction or alcoholism is totally possible. But one of the things that this particular situation reflects is something I see often or we've I've experienced um, secondhand quite often is that people do get on the right path, right? They're doing the right thing. They're making positive changes in their lives. But just because they stop doing the actions in the now doesn't mean that all of the things that they did before go away. So what Buff is apparently facing here is sort of consequences of the past rearing their head now because he was speeding And when he got pulled over, all of those things that were probably he was waiting to address until the right time just rose right back to the surface. So on a positive note for him is if he can go through these kind of legal battles, the public scrutiny of this and remain sober, it's a very good sign for things that could be 
in his future. So I absolutely wish Buff Bagwell the absolute best. Yeah, and and good on DDP for creating this community because mm-hmm. we went through what just what you're describing right now with uh with Jake the Snake Roberts, right? I remember early in his process of of recovery, you know, they documented it, right? There were the he was mm-hmm. doing his best to stay on the straight and narrow, but he'd miss a booking or he'd show up tired and people would immediately start to draw these conclusions. So it's great that there's this community that exists in pro wrestling now where these guys can find help with each other. I mean, that's a huge difference from where we were even just a decade ago. I think that one of the biggest things too, is that now people are talking about it. You look at somebody like Dustin Rhodes, who also has gone down a similar path, who also has uh, gained a great deal of sobriety. And that was existing many years ago, but nobody talked about it. Nobody was aware that there was something different happening in the world of professional wrestling and by being open about my own sobriety, I will tell you many people in the pro wrestling space, when they are challenged by these things, will slide into my DMs and say, hey, you know, like, do you have suggestions? How did you do this? What was your experience around this? And it allows us who do have a little bit of perspective and clean time to give back to those who may not be in that place just yet may need to be there and want to be there. Yeah, uh, 100%. Yeah, it's it's a you know, I'm happy to see this. I was happy to see Jeff Hardy uh doing a promo on Dynamite last night getting back to the mix. By all accounts it seems like he's very clear-headed at the moment as well. So a very strong signal fingers being sent to pe- fingers crossed John John Moxley. I mean, <laughs> you know, it just seems like yesterday that this guy was whiskey drinking cigar or cigarette smoking i guess he may still smoke cigarettes but not not my thing but at least he's he's got himself on the right path it's a it's a very strong signal being sent right now in the community and i, and I do I'm, I'm very heartened by it because i want to see this generation of wrestlers wrestle longer live longer than the generations before and that's 100 percent. well except there are a couple people i worry about with their in-ring style i'm not going to name names and, and create an issue right now but by yeah, large, that's something entirely different it's yeah, it's, it's yeah, different to, yeah. to have your in-ring performance be a little bit life-threatening versus your life <laughs> choices. You know Correct. what I mean? Your in-ring yeah. choices, one thing. Your life choices, something entirely different. Correct. And to that note, you know, hey, uh, if you're not going to cut up your insides with alcohol, maybe don't cut up your outsides either. Both are very important. That's all I'm saying, people. Okay? All right? Look, Mox just wants to feel something. That's not, he's not even the one that was top of mind for me when I was thinking. Like, he's on the list, but there are other people I worry about. So, regardless. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, you brought up Dustin Rhodes. Um, Fightful had a report out yesterday about Dustin. Um, there had been – now, he had said on Busted Open Radio uh, that his contract was coming up July 2023, and that got a lot of people's wheels spinning. You know, that's right now. Obviously, Cody Rhodes is a big star over in WWE. There's a lot you could do with Dustin, especially when you consider his long history in WWE as well. Uh, but it doesn't look like uh, he's going to be available, at least not anytime soon, because according to Fightful, his contract is set to expire in September 2024, which is kind of odd timing, and he's dealt with some injuries. So there's kind of a lingering question mark of, did his contract get extended because of injuries or something like that? So there you go. We have no idea about that. I think certainly Dustin is a background character in Cody's you know, story in WWE would be uh, add layers in depth for sure. But I selfish, I mean, you may see them like right behind me, like my collection of gold dust characters, one of my all time favorite favorites in the world of professional wrestling. Selfishly, I would love to see one last gold dust hurrah, but 
Cody's all, I'm sorry, Dustin's also been pretty upfront that his time as an in-ring performer is rapidly coming to a close. Yeah, I, I think he I think he does. I think he goes over for at least a couple matches when his contract is up. It's it, you know, if he can go, I would. And especially with WWE having seen what Cody and Dustin did at all in, how do you not look at that and say, man, maybe we missed the boat. Maybe we could look if we're going to do Cody Roman twice. Why can't we do the sequel to Dustin and Cody? Right. I know that I think both have said they, they wouldn't do it or don't want to do it again, but there's just so many possibilities. I feel like you tag them, you put them at odds. Like there's a way to continue the Cody Rhodes story meaningfully with Dustin. And I, I really just would like to see it happen. I certainly think that at, as his career wraps, we will see him return to WWE if for no other reason than his well-deserved Hall of Fame induction. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be a big one. So, uh, And then over in AEW land, I don't really know where he fits in the landscape right now. He's never fit in the landscape <laughs> of AEW. They've never really made an effort to make him fit in the landscape. He might have been new and shiny at the beginning, but he's certainly not now. And he's he's a legend at this juncture in his career. He deserves to be treated as such. And, you know, if we see very limited amounts of in-ring action from Dustin, he has given us so much for so long, and I'm greatly appreciative. Yeah, man. And, I and you know, I, I think about, like, when Regal left AEW for WWE and how, like, there was that sentimental moment and Tony was, like, going through something with his mom and Regal was like, hey, I also have a family. Let me go be with my son. And Tony's like, God bless. And then, of course, he spent, it seems, no time in NXT with his son and is fully on the road helping to produce the main roster. So I've, I've heard Tony's not thrilled about that, and I would imagine – that may be the last time that Tony's heartstrings get pulled on and uh, makes a decision to let somebody go. Just throwing that out of the equation. So um, it's been a good week for everybody on both sides when it comes to viewership of their mm -hmm. shows. So I thought we'd take a moment here to do a little segment, just kind of looking at some of the numbers that we're seeing right now for the shows and possibly why we are seeing those numbers for those shows. Uh, first of all, uh, AEW collision over the weekend, uh, WrestleNomics has begun has begun putting out the rankings again for shows, not just the viewership numbers, um, mm -hmm. which is difficult with Showbuzz Daily gone. So thank you very much to Brandon Thurston. Now, it's worth noting before we get into the actual ranking, Warner Brothers Discovery, of course, reportedly looking at Collision as a success if it ranks in the top five cable originals for the night. Right? That they're not necessarily. It's not like a specific number. Is it a top five show? Well, this past Saturday night, it was number two. It was number two in cable originals. It was number three in cable originals and broadcast prime time for Saturdays. Um, this weekend, this Saturday, they're going to have MJF and Adam Cole teaming up to take on FTR for the AEW tag team titles. They have done such a great job. This past week, I, I, I'm heartened by how well it did. I didn't think it had as big of a hook as other weeks. This week, this is a huge hook, man. Are they making Saturdays work? What do you think about what's going on here? I can't speak to whether they're making Saturdays work, but in my perception, what I will tell you is that Collision rapidly became the A show for AEW. I'm much more interested in Collision on an ongoing and consistent basis than I am in Dynamite. And I think part of that is the, the way they've apparently divided talent. The talent that sort of lives on Saturday nights, 
much more to my personal liking. And the people that they share with Dynamite are the people who are also more to my personal liking. So we're not seeing as many of the individuals who I personally do not engage with or feel inspired, interested in on collisions. It doesn't seem at this juncture. So for me, collision is more must see than than Wednesdays. Yeah. And, you know, against all odds, like people are saying Saturday night, tough night. You know, I, there's a vibe going on here right now. Now, I don't watch collision until Monday morning. Right. But when you throw Absolutely. in when you put in the the, the whatever P3 or like the, the L3, whatever, the three day DVR average plus whatever you got on the actual night, we're looking at potentially millions of people watching pro wrestling on Saturday nights right now, one way or another. And I, I do think that the very simple things that we heard punk and others go over in this meeting about like hey let's have unique finishes right that makes sense let's not have a whole bunch of shenanigans right you're seeing it bleed through into the product it's very it's very focused it's very easy to follow and i think my favorite part about collision mm -hmm. right now not to blow too too smoke too too much smoke up the ass of the collisionites um it's well-defined baby faces and heels it is mo almost every match i know who i'm supposed to be cheering for and I know who I'm supposed to be booing. I watch Dynamite, and I, I think you're supposed to like everybody. <laughs> you know, I don't really know who's a heel over there. It's so. I will say that the things that I like, and you've already touched on several of them, the things that I like about Collision, um, it is a much more, it feels a more concise and direct form of storytelling for me. What I mean by that is it's not muddied by all of these outside uh, entities coming into every match. Like there is a period of time where it felt like dynamite was just sort of like a, a weird finish or a group of people showing up and attacking almost every, every episode in anything that was of significance, you know, collision is so much, it's more, like I said, much more focused, as you mentioned. I also like the fact that you get more apparent clear cut winners and the matches for whatever reason, seem like they have some element of stakes involved in them mm -hmm. versus dynamite, which so often creates stakes for no obvious reason. Like this is a, an eliminator match or this is a, I mean, I thought ones and losses sort of counted, right? That was their whole big thing for such a long time. No, that should mean that you cannot come off of no wins against nobody and get a title match. And so, those are the kind of things that seem to be much more prevalent on a, on a dynamite than a collision. I know people are going to listen to this and they can be like, this guy hates AEW, which is absolutely not the case. I do like clear storytelling in wrestling. And I like things to do feel have, they have stakes. Yeah, here's now uh, FTR versus MJF and Adam Cole is kind I'm of so it. excited. And, and everybody's very excited. I get it. I think it's gonna be a great match too, but it, it does, it does kind of point to my issue a little bit with MJF's booking which is just like he's he's a he's your top heel, but he's also your top baby face. And it makes him very difficult to pair with other people because FTR are baby faces, best I can tell, especially coming Absolutely. off uh, coming off the Bullet Club Gold Run. Uh, now you're going to maybe turn fans against them, right? Because of, they're paired against MJF and Adam Cole. Maybe they're prepared for that. Maybe there's a plan in place. But it just, again, it makes it more difficult to elevate the baby faces around MJF when he comes in there and he's like kind of playing the heel, but really you like him more than the baby face you have in the ring with him. 
Um, a very nerdy pro wrestling note, I would get, I would guess, but that's one of my things I see here. With, I, with I don't think dynamic. that that's nerdy. I think that that is an important factor of the that we're seeing here is that we're seeing blurring of the lines, and it it speaks to something I feel that we see often in AEW in an unfortunate sense, and that is that they will give uh, a particular talent like four steps forward in terms of credibility, uh, opportunity, visibility, and definition of their character. And then they will do something that strips about most of that off. And, and you're often three months down the road with no visible gains for that person. And what I mean by that is they'll bring somebody in for a hot streak just to justify them getting a title match at some point, And then you don't see them for months again, or you'll see somebody who is super over as a baby face. And then for no reason whatsoever, they do something that's a heel or somebody who's super heel. And then all of a sudden they're cutting a baby face promo. It does not make sense. And it confuses the generalized viewer. Yeah, it, it, it is. And it, it, it's kind of wishwashes stuff. And it, when I think about that dynamic though, and how there's going to be this push pull between FTR you know, the fans going against each other. Is it, is this the time to, to pull the trigger on splitting MJF and Cole? Is this where we see one of them cost each other the tag titles? Or or do you give them the belts? Do you, do you push this thing further? I mean, it's white hot act. They got T-shirts right now. Where, where do you go They're the best-selling T-shirts in AEW. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, that's the thing. Is like maybe the plan was to get to this point and pull the trigger, setting up something for all in or all out. Who knows? Or do you keep it going? What do you do? I, I don't know. It becomes a situation of when do the beggar powers explode? Mm-hmm. A little you know, bit. And, and that's kind of what the vibe I'm getting here is, except that in all of those situations of the mega powers and all of these things in the past, there were two baby faces that were brought together. It wasn't. And, 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 or you would have two individuals of this stature who are obvious opponents of each other and they would be clashing with each other, trying to work, not becoming best friends. You know, these vignettes are super cute. Like I enjoy their chemistry in the ring. Super cute. But it cannot last if you're going to go with the the idea that was given. And if you put the belts on them, that means they have to lose them right away in some kind of implosion that would seem so blatantly obvious to set up for that match. Well, and the whole thing with AEW, like one of their core tenants or whatever is, we uh, we present tag team wrestling. We don't just take two singles wrestlers and put them together and make them tag champions. Oh, wait, maybe we do. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's it's a very it's a very interesting call. I'm fascinated to see how they book this thing on Saturday night. They have my attention in that regard. But for the other things I said, you know, again, like does this, you know, we'll see how it goes. Does it, does this turn fans against FTR? Is that the plan? Is that what they want to do? We'll find out. Um, we brought up Dynamite. Dynamite's been on a tear, too, right? Collision number two. You said it's the A show. Um, the rankings would, would beg to differ. They have been the number one show on cable the last three weeks. We don't know how they did last night. We'll find out here in just a couple hours, thanks to WrestleNomics. Um, but on last night's show, we had John Moxie attach- attacking Orange Cassidy. Looks like those two will go into an international championship match of some kind at some point. But also, after the Britt baker Taya Valkyrie match... For no reason, they flashed to this poster, this poster board sign in the crowd that read, book the women's division better. And it was, it was, it made me laugh because 
the week before blood and guts, Britt Baker was like in a squat, like not that she got squashed, but she squashed somebody in like a minute or two. And that was it for the women on dynamite this week. She gets to go out there and have a real competitive match with Taya. I thought it was actually a very good match. The finish was a little too Cirque du Soleil for me, but whatever. Um, I, and then they flash this sign. Oh, my God. I thought it was just like, why? Wow. How? What? Huh? <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Uh, that person probably who turned the camera on that is in an unemployment line somewhere right now. Maybe. Um, or wishes he was because the embarrassment of going back into that locker room is probably immense. Um, you know, I wanted to point out when you said that the ratings would beg to differ between the A show B show in my mind, a show does not necessarily mean the, the ratings, the, you know, the ratings do not determine for me, which is considered the A show. We look, for example, at, at raw, which is considered the, the WWE a show versus B show. And I would disagree with that as well. You know, I, I think that SmackDown has become and maintained its position in terms of fan interest as the A show for quite some time, despite having always been the sort of like stepchild of Raw, the legendary product. I would say that Collision, in terms of my personal interest in, if I have time to spend going back on DVR because I don't I don't watch live obviously I'm spending a lot of my weekends doing my own wrestling work um when I have time to sit down collision is what I go for first absolutely yeah. every time yeah yeah no I mean it, it's an easy show to watch and dynamite you know has its uh has its benefits as well it, it does get a lot of viewership but it's getting tight right like it's getting tight collision here moving into the 600,000 viewership range. Dynamite here pretty much consistently in the 850 up to about, you know, just shy of million viewer range. And in the wings is this other show that is now rapidly becoming one of the most watched pro wrestling shows on the, of the week. And that is NXT. Now they have been doing a great job of infusing main roster talents. We've seen Corbin down there. We got Ali and a big triple threat head into to the great American bash. Seth Rollins is there and judgment day has just set up shop. They just are there now. They're a part of NXT and it's yielding uh, dividends. They did 703,000 viewers this past Tuesday night. They were also the number two show in cable originals uh, for their, uh, for the day. And the week before it was the number one show in cable originals. Interestingly, with all these big names on the show, the quarter hours that spiked and were the highest rated of NXT this week were Dana Brooke versus Cora Jade. And I just love that. I love that for Dana Brooke, who has eaten more shit, arguably, than I think anybody else on the roster and seemingly continues to overperform most of the time. Dana Brooke is such a joy to, to watch because while she may not be everyone's cup of tea, while she is certainly not the, the focal point of their division or even the top performer, she is clearly out there having the time of her life and then unfortunately has to go on social media and wade through shit up to her chin that people say horrible about her. And she does it coming out with a smile on her face. I appreciate that so much about her. People who are not in the public eye in any capacity do not understand what it is like to simply want to enjoy and love what you're doing 
and having people shit on you for doing it. Good for Dana Brooke for proving that she can draw a quarter hour that ranks higher than any of the top names that they brought to that show. It's simultaneous to her. Yeah. Okay. And as a pro wrestling journalist, I have no idea what it is to do it. I love and have people shit on me every day. It's not, it's not, <laughs> not doesn't come with the territory. That's not part of my job. Uh, no, a big win for her. Big win for the show. Look, NXT, uh, look, when, it, when you talk about shows that you want to put on and watch, a collision, top of my list, SmackDown, right behind it, because they're doing more than 3 million viewers some weeks. It's on broadcast primetime. That's the A show. I, I don't care what anybody says. You're right. Mm-hmm. SmackDown is arguably, of all the shows, the A-est of the shows. But Collision, SmackDown, and then I put NXT into that mix now, man, because I think what I like about NXT is you're seeing talents that you've watched kind of just float, you know, have fun again, right? And you're seeing mm-hmm. young talents having fun getting to work with people they've been watching on TV for a long time, which has not always been the vibe down in NXT. I think that the Judgment Day looks like a huge act because of what how they come across on that show. Do, like, this period of time, people will be doing documentaries about this period of time for Dominic Mysterio. This is this is going to be its own thing. Him and Rhea Ripley, the, the whole vibe they've got going on right now, we're watching like a, a, a chapter in pro wrestling, WWE history being written right now. This thing is going so well for them. I, I mean, just how well they've done on NXT and, and elsewhere. I'm starting to think Finn Balor might actually take this title at SummerSlam from Seth Rollins. They, they've got me on the hook here. I mean, everybody else in the act is doing so well. I don't know if it's Finn's time to to take some gold and really push this thing to the next level. I'm not. I don't know. I wasn't there two weeks ago, but now I am. Well, there are two things about this that you mentioned. Number one, it is long overdue that WWE thinks in a way that allows NXT to benefit from the kind of talent that they have that is wildly underutilized on their main roster. Those people may not be at the top um, tier of the main roster at this juncture, but they are talent that fans have connected to, that the fans of the main roster will follow to a product like NXT to show their support, and in hopes that those people will succeed in NXT at a level that they have not on the main roster. The, the crossover is going to benefit the talent as well as the viewership. And they're seeing that now. It seems blatantly obvious to me. If you have a third brand that is being utilized as sort of your, what would previously have been sort of like a farm league or their in development region, why not infuse that with people who can both benefit from being perceived in a different light at the top of a card to reheat them as well as benefit the roster by giving them opportunities to compete against and learn from top-notch talent on a weekly basis. That to me is a no-brainer. And then the other part of what you're saying, Dom and Rhea Ripley, I firmly believe is an example of what happens when probably creative puts a couple of people together that they don't they're like what well, i don't know what to do with these people exactly so just put them together and then what happens from that is organic as well as really really good like i believe the whole judgment day gelled organically it would not surprise me if there was somewhere backstage a conversation between these four people that were like look we either make this you know, we turn shit into chicken salad 
and you know whatever what's the saying chicken shit in the chicken salad you got it right and, yep and make this something incredible or we could all be just effed basically <laughs> and when you have four people who are focused on the same goal and they start you know these they're probably traveling together they're spending a lot of time together bouncing ideas off each other and the the creative symbiosis that we're seeing here is amazing i love what they're doing and yeah props to all four yeah agreed wholeheartedly agree and you were talking about how it's great to see them taking the main roster talent elevating these young talent everything like that it's going it, it flips up to the main roster too uh grayson waller was on the mma hour this past week they're notable um, and once again, he goes about picking shit with the rock, right? He's calling out how your daughter's in a cult, you know, Hey, you're out of work, you know, cause again, writer's strike. Um, and you yeah, know, he's look, probably really hurting on that next paycheck after his last 50, $50 million movie. Hey, he got so much. He found some stuff in the couch cushions to throw into the, the foundation relief fund. I'm very happy about that, but you know, Grayson Waller egging this thing on now, not a lot of people, now a lot of people, a lot of people are saying, Hey, SummerSlam. Are we going to get, look, we had John Cena at Money in the Bank, Grayson Waller edge on SmackDown is the next thing in line. Grayson Waller and The Rock. Again, this is like what they're doing in NXT, but next level. Now you're up and on the main roster. You got the, the big dogs coming and trying to possibly elevate you as well and give you some, some face time. It speaks very highly of their expectations for Grayson Waller that this is even a discussion we're having. Because they're not going to, you know, possibly call the rock up. Hey, you know, if they do not trust and believe in this guy's potential. So we may see it. We may not. And currently, I mean, I'm guessing as things stand right now, the rock schedule is pretty free. I would think so. Yeah. I, you know, and he's coming off the Black Adam thing, which didn't do anybody him in any favors, right? You know, the XFL loss, you know, does, you know, The Rock need, right? A little zhuzh right now. A I don't think The Rock needs a zhuzh. A little but, zhuzh, you know? Uh, but first of all, I love I love the word zhuzh, which has one of the most complicated spellings in the English language for the listeners. Go look it up. Um, but... I don't think he necessarily needs a zhuzh, but like I said, he is in a moment where a lot of what he has been focused on is on hold. You know, there's, they're, they're not, they do not know a time frame for the Screen Actors Guild and like all of these people who are in a moment of protest. And um, so it, it opens him up to do something different for the moment. And why not a return to WWE at one of the highest profile events of the year? Pick up a nice big paycheck, give a, a you know something to a, a rising talent, and go back to life after. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's not a done deal. Look, a lot of people thought we'd have a Rock Roman Reigns moment by this point, and we have not had that happen yet. And if the Rock's in the building for SummerSlam, and he doesn't do anything with Roman Reigns. I think that's a pretty big tell about where we're at and that and the potential of that match ever actually happening. They, the thing that has changed, I believe in that specific scenario is there was a time when people felt strongly that the rock needed to be involved in that storyline to validate Roman Reigns. Dude. I yeah. think we're well past that point. Dude, we are going to see 
tribal combat, the tribal elders have decided that these two men need to fight and decide who is the tribal chief. And you've got the rock sitting in catering and he's not going to get involved. Come on. Like if that, if he doesn't do anything, I think that's a pretty big tell. Right. But I, and I, I agree with you because it's obvious that they built these guys for a long time as the rocks cousins. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, when you're talking about the tribal chief in this scenario, would it not be the tribal chief of professional wrestling, right? Like, I think it's the tribe. No, I've thought about this. I think it's the tribal chief of just the Anawahi family, right? Because if Cody Rhodes beats Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns will still be the tribal chief of the Anawahi family. Cody Rhodes will be the undisputed universal. I don't expect Cody Rhodes to put on the lay and pronounce himself tribal chief for a variety of reasons. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean. Uh, presumably correct. You know, I, I think that this is certainly something that has a life of its own. And I, you know, I interviewed Kevin Sullivan yesterday, Nick, and he could not stop talking about the genius of this storytelling mm -hmm. and how it has evolved over what, three years now. And he feels that there's like at least a year and a half more of this story that can be told and I would go so far as to say it might even be longer than that. This is a story that continues to unfold because we're, you know, peeling layers of this off. And God knows if nothing else with the Anawahi family, there's always like six more waiting to be introduced. That's true. Um, so uh, we'll see what happens here. If the rocks in the house, a lot of things would be in play, but that's a big if, right? Like I, I we said, we've said if the rock a lot of times the last couple of years. All right. Last news item here. I'll throw one more in before we get to uh, my interview with pretty deadly. It is uh, from GCW. Leo rush has been pulled from uh, next weekend's uh, show in Detroit due to an undisclosed injury. I'm trying to find out what that injury is. Uh, he was going to wrestle speedball, Mike Bailey, now Bailey's going to take on GCW champion Blake Christian. So just want to send our best to Leo. I've had a lot of great conversations with him over the year. Very talented guy. And uh, I hope this injury isn't serious, you know? I, you know, I hope so, too. I haven't heard anything of it until this announcement. So I don't know what that might be. I do wish him a speedy recovery. Right now he's kind of at a high point in his career as the Impact X Division champion. This would, would have been a very intriguing match for GCW because it's two stars of Impact Wrestling's X Division, and they would have been able to do something presumably a little different in, in GCW because everything goes at GCW. Yeah, that's right. There's no rules there. Paints of glass, thumbtacks. No, everything goes. You guys are scary <laughs> shit. Okay. All right. Hey, we're going to come back here in just a couple minutes to wrap up the show. But right now, uh, I'm going to pull Paul away from the screen, and I'm going to throw up right now onto your screen and into your ear holes if you're listening in podcast form to my Money in the Bank Media Junket interview with Pretty Deadly. Hey, everybody. It's Nick Hausman, House of Wrestling, and I am here on Money in the Bank Media Row, and I am joined at this time by Elton Prince, Kit Wilson, Pretty Deadly. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Yes, boy. <laughs> uh, yes, boy. So you uh, you just did this Bad News Barrett impression over there. It was very, very good. I thought it was great. You want to do it one more time? No. 
Okay, wonderful. Thank you. No, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Ready? Ready? I'm afraid I got some bad news. And that's Wade Barrett. Ooh. Legend of the game. Now, you guys don't have a manager. What about Wade kind of stepping into your corner? Would you like to see Wade Barrett as, as part of Pretty Deadly? I mean, we, you know, we like Pretty Deadly just the two. You know, we are, we're, 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 you know, when two hearts become one, you know, a classic song. But I think if we were to have a manager, I think Wade Barrett would be up there. I'll say that. I think if we have to, if pushed, I'll take Wade. The Bullhammer. Oh. Mwah. Switch it. Switch the color. Switch the color of the pack. Boom. It kind of sounds like you want him in your corner. Uh, I'm excited. I think maybe. <laughs> Do you know what it is? He is, he is probably the best new, I know he's been doing it a while, he's the best new commentator on the scene in the WWE. And, he, and he's great and he hypes us up and I just, I feel good about him. Well, hey, you guys didn't spend a ton of time in NXT before you got to come to the main roster. A lot of people spend a lot more time down there. Uh, you had some great mentors, right? Triple H, Shawn Michaels. What was it like for you guys to work uh, with Triple H? Yeah, I mean, when, you, when you're looking at uh, you know, some of the, you got two of the best wrestlers in the world are just like our, casual, our, our bosses and they're helping us week by week. You know, it's still kind of like a wild thing to get your head around. But Shawn Michaels told us a couple years ago um, that to just to always just be ourselves and not forget who we are, and that if we, so long as we're putting that product across, that we'll always be all right. And I think that's been a huge help for us because, you know, we're just when we're just having fun out there, it's just me and Kit just being friends basically, just messing around like we would outside. Um, so and that shows, right? Yeah, I, I was in, in. Yeah, when we get along in our house. That's what we bring to the ring, and it's so successful, and that is something that the big uh, the big top dogs told us, and I think it's coming to fruition. Tonight's the night. Wonderful. Awesome. Hey, guys, congratulations on everything. Uh, best of luck this weekend. Thank you, Thank you, very, Thank much. you very much. All right, and there we go. Man, pretty deadly in the house, Paul. They, they are a very interesting team, and also, once again, you see that great chemistry that they have. It makes them enjoyable to watch on television. Yeah, I love these guys. Way over. I was happy to chat with them. I got a good vibe, good energy off them. And maybe we'll see Wade Barrett in their corner at some point. Who knows, right? If it, if it happens, you heard it here first. I, I think that he would be fantastic in anybody's corner. I My one thing is, that I would fear, Wade Barrett is a mountain of an individual. He's like 6'5". He's very impressive physically so uh, sometimes you don't want uh, a manager who would necessarily like overshadow physically their their clientele if you will i'm not sure that those two young men would be able to like step out of his shadow literally i don't know your manager you dropped that wig on what are you six five six 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 seven nine feet tall. seven feet tall it's wow. one of the reasons i will tell you it is one of the things in the national wrestling alliance when i was paired with silas mason I would always have to stand behind him or come out well behind him. We never could come out side by side because he's 6'5". He's legitimately 6'5", almost 300 pounds. The thrillability, big, big man. But if he's standing next to me, he looks normal size because I'm actually towering over him. Between yeah. the hair and the heels, th those are added easily an extra foot to my height. Wow. I'm already six foot tall. There you go. Um, all right. Well, hey, great conversation with Paul here today. Great conversations with Pretty Deadly here today. I'm going to be back next week. We are on the road to SummerSlam. I will be in Detroit starting next Thursday to Sunday. On Tuesday, we're going to have Muscle Man Malcolm in the house. Uh, he's a, I met him. I think we met at SummerSlam last year, actually, in Nashville. He's been doing a lot of great work recently. Did some interviews with Jeff Hardy that got some attention. I just want to introduce, help introduce the world to Muscle Man Malcolm. I think he's a great guy. Very excited to chat with him on Tuesday. And then on Thursday... 
you're going to get me. You're going to get Jimmy Corderas previewing SummerSlam, and you're going to get uh, Shayna Baszler, my last Money in the Bank media junket interview. It is wildly dated and uh, no longer topical <laughs> because uh, literally hours after I chatted with Shayna, she turned on Ronda Rousey, and most everything in the interview I'm going to air on Thursday is no longer usable or relevant, but since I have it, we're going to air it. So, uh, Jimmy, Shayna, Muscle Man Malcolm, all next week. Uh, if you like the show and you're listening to us in podcast form, again, nice review. Ratings go a long way. Paul, what would you like to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up today? Oh, man, Nick, I'm so excited because we are gearing up for NWA 75. We're returning to St. Louis to the Coruscant Ballroom there, and it is going to be August 26th and 27th. Yes, that's right. Hold on, give me a second. On are you talking? One. Are you talking to your dog? Uh, no, I'm like, I'm looking at my. I'm like, it's August 26th and 27th. Is that right? Like, I'm looking at my calendar right here. It's August 26th and 27th in in St. Louis, and then we're going to be going over to Nashville for um, some television tapings there. I'm really, really excited about it. Things are changing and evolving, growing for me there very quickly. I'm very excited about it. Awesome. All right, everybody. Hey, support Paul. Support House of Wrestling. Thank you all so much for coming in today. Feel free to grab your shoes, grab your coat, grab your hat, grab some leftovers off the kitchen table. Get on out the door. And remember, you're welcome back anytime.